everybody's looking for the key to success to help them grow, to become more successful. You're not going to find it in a sales book. You're not going to find it in a marketing book, a book on competitive advantage, a book on strategy, a book on innovation. No, it's going to be an understanding how to build mental toughness, resiliency. That's what you need. That it's a set up, not a setback. Because I refuse to allow a negative circumstance to dictate my life. You think it's actually going to work out that way. (laughs) Here's the thing that you don't understand. Is that it's never going to beat me down. It's never going to defeat me. I'm never going to allow this to beat me. Because life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. There are demons all around us. Demons in the form of fear. Anxiety, guilt, depression, sadness, bullying, learned helplessness, negativity. And if we allow these demons to control us, we will only continue to lose the battle on mental health. It's time for us to cut the crap from our lives and go on offense against these demons by building mental toughness and resiliency. That's why you're here. My name is Ryan Caligiuri, and welcome to the Cut the Crap Show. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining yours truly, Ryan Caligiuri, on this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show, where every single week I'm reading a book, condensing that book down to its core golden nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about the golden nuggets. Well, not every week, but most weeks I'm doing that. <laughs> and I'm here with you every single week, just trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that can spark a change in your life. And I'm here helping you build mental toughness and resilience every single week. And if you love the show, then please go online, rate and review the show, especially if you're listening on an Apple device, go to the podcast app, go to shows, scroll up to the Cut the Crap show, give this bad boy a ranking and a review, and I'd greatly appreciate that. Also, do not forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's awesome seeing all of you connect with me. Tell me you found me through the show. If you haven't reached out to me in a little while and we're already connected, then just reach out. Let me know what your favorite episode was from the last couple months or from this year already. Just let me know. I love connecting with all of you and building a relationship. That, to me, is... I love it. There's nothing better than that. So definitely feel free to reach out to me. Also, last but not least, if you love what I'm doing here, if you want to support me, support the show, support causes that I'm supporting, then go to thecutthecrapshow.com. At the very top, there you can see a bright red button. It's a Patreon button. You click that button, you go and you can donate $5 every single month to the show, and that'll help me support the causes that I'm supporting. And right now, I'm really putting my energies, my focus onto no-kill animal shelters that really are in need of some extra funding to help take care of their pets, to fund surgeries, and um, they're, they're struggling. They're struggling. Any little bit helps. So thank you to all of you who have already donated $5 a month. That, to me, is is incredible. And we're doing a lot to help other people in the world. So again, it's really cool what this little idea, this little show can go to do to to help other people around the world. And this to me is just the beginning. We're just starting. All right, so let's crack right into this one. This week, you are with me again all week. And the reason you're with me all week is because we're talking about a book that Norman Vincent Peale wrote. Norman Vincent Peale passed away a number of years ago. He was a very well-known minister and he wrote the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Now, this one was called The Bible of All Self-Improvement Books, and it's kind of ironic he called it The Bible of Self-Improvement Books because he was a minister, and this is a book that is based on faith-based self-improvement. So you're saying, faith-based self-improvement, Ryan, don't put your religious beliefs on me. Listen, whatever you believe, whatever anybody in your community believes, it really shouldn't matter to you. 
it shouldn't matter to me. Whatever I believe, whatever you believe, that's up to us. You might believe in a higher power. You might not believe in anything. And that's okay. What I will say is what I believe is I believe that we are like fish in a fishbowl. And I've used this analogy before. A fish in a fishbowl does not understand lunchtime. A fish in a fishbowl does not understand podcasts. It doesn't understand technology. It doesn't understand LTE networks. It doesn't even understand Netflix. It's like a fish in a fishbowl. Of course it can understand that. Exactly. And I kind of liken us, we human beings, to being a fish in a fishbowl. Do I believe there's something bigger? Yeah, I do. I do. What it is? No idea. I think that's beyond us. Completely beyond us. And I spend a lot of time with some scientists, and scientists are very matter-of-fact, and they say, listen, there's nothing after we die. And I'd argue that they can kind of lean on the crutch of science for as long as they want, but science only knows so much as well. Until they form a new hypothesis, do a study, and they prove something that to them before didn't exist. I mean, 100 years ago, we thought we had a headache. We had to drill a hole in our heads. We thought drinking mercury was a way to cure illness. 100 years later, we're like, oh, man, we were stupid. I can't believe we believe that. So, yeah, you can say, well, I believe in science, Ryan. Listen, yeah, you can believe in science all you want, but science will only take you so far. We still don't understand aspects of our own human body. Neuroscientists are finding new parts to our brain that they didn't even know existed. We didn't even understand what's going on in our ocean. There's still areas of our ocean that are left unexplored. Species that we still don't understand. So you're telling me that if we can't even understand what's going on in our own bodies, we can't even understand what's in our own oceans, that we're going to understand the metaphysical, we're going to understand what goes beyond this world? Get the heck out of here. Like I said, believe whatever you want. That's what I believe. I believe there's some sort of energy, some sort of higher power. What it is, don't know. Couldn't tell you. Quite frankly, don't care to try to figure it out. Because I'm too busy living my life. Too busy taking control of my life. And that's kind of my stance on that. And don't kick my ass because of that. Whatever. Believe what you want to believe. Hold it to yourself. I'll believe what I want to believe and... I'll share it with you. <laughs> I got the platform, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to it. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but this book was written by a minister. And so from a minister, you're going to get stimulus that is related to faith. So faith mixed with the right thinking, mixed with some counseling, mixed with proper health routines. That's how Norman Vincent Peale believes we can develop a positive mindset. So on that note, Let's crack into this one and see what Norman Vincent Peale has to share with us about the power of positive thinking. Let's kick this off with golden nugget number one, creating your own inner happiness. Norman Vincent Peale says that you are responsible for your own happiness. I agree with him because unhappiness is usually the byproduct of you thinking sad thoughts, you having these negative feelings, you having resentment towards others, and just having an overall crappy outlook on life. So if you think those things, what do you think is going to happen? You have to force yourself to not think those negative thoughts. Force yourself into what Norman Vincent Peale, I can't stop saying Norman Vincent Peale, it's too long. I'm just going to call him Peale from now on. Peale says we have to get into the happiness habit by thinking upbeat, cheery thoughts throughout the day. And if we find ourselves feeling distressed or wanting to think negative thoughts, that we need to quickly short circuit our brain and reject them. 
And we need to bring happy experiences to the forefront of our consciousness by thinking positively. And the challenge here is that we need to actually short circuit our brain. When we start to feel negative, when we start to think sad thoughts, you need to actually stop that. But again, I say this week after week, I don't know why our brains are tuned to want to feel bad sometimes. We like to sit and dwell. We like to sit in our own sadness. I don't like to do that, but I just know that sometimes my brain forces me to do that. And I don't know why. So I have to force myself to not do that. I have to put on an upbeat music. I have to go do something productive. I have to get in the gym. I have to go hang around friends that are going to make me laugh. And it's tough. At first, it doesn't feel right. It feels like you're forcing it because you are forcing it. But eventually, it starts to make you feel better. So don't allow yourself to feel sad. And as Peel says in the book, he quotes the Bible, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And with that quote, he's trying to give you perspective. To say, there are miracles happening all around you. There is beauty all around you. Open your damn eyes and look. Can you see the sun shining? Great. Can you hear the birds chirping? Great. Can you feel the warmth of the sun on your skin? Awesome. Can you feel the wind blowing through? Well, I don't have hair. Well, blowing through my beard hair. How about that? (laughs) Then awesome. There's simple beauties all around us. Can you feel the grass beneath your feet? The cool grass. How does that feel? There's beauty all around us. And by taking pleasure in the smaller things, it'll allow us to really start to change our mindset. So we control our own inner happiness. And this is really hard for some people to get used to because we just get into this pattern of thinking negatively and, oh, woe is me, my life is terrible. If you want to start to feel happy, it starts with you wanting to feel happy. So short-circuit those negative thoughts. And when you start to feel bad, when you start to find yourself gossiping, feeling guilty, feeling angry, feeling whatever it is you're feeling that's negative, turn that around. Force yourself to think positively. Do positive things. And while it doesn't feel right at first, keep going. You're on the right path. Golden nugget number two, the antidote to anxiety. Peel says that people waste a lot of their time, a lot of their energy fuming and fretting about things that they cannot control. And if they are having anxiety about things they can't control, they're functioning far less effectively than they possibly could. Why? Because their mind is preoccupied on things they can't control. Go back to Covey's principle, circle of concern, circle of influence. Focus only on those things in the circle of influence. Everything else in the circle of concern, you can't control. You can't affect that. So move on. Don't allow your mind to just spend time in that space. You're wasting your mind's energy. So as part of this antidote to anxiety, Peel says that we need to slow down to relieve our anxiety and to attain peace. And he suggests meditation. He suggests that we devote at least 15 minutes daily to calming and relaxing ourselves by thinking peaceful thoughts or not thinking anything at all. So something he shares in the book is to help get rid of the tendency to worry and get angry, we need to relax and spend a few minutes thinking about beautiful, peaceful settings, hearing the birds chirping, feeling the sun on our face, all these things that I was talking about before, where it's just a matter of you actually thinking that in your mind. Wherever you are, if you're at work, If you're in your house, it doesn't matter. Close your mind or close your eyes and open your mind to maybe a place where you were on vacation before and go there for 15 minutes. Smell the smells. Feel what the sand feels like on your feet. Feel yourself plunging into the ocean. 
right? Feel yourself coming up from the ocean, moving your hair back from your, well, I don't have hair, but moving, <laughs> moving the water off my scalp. <laughs> and from there, it'll make you feel better. It'll maybe take you away from the stresses you're experiencing by you painting a picture of where you'd much rather be. So I believe that. And I think that there's some element of, of, of benefit for you there. Myself, I just like to try and meditate at least 15 to 20 minutes a day without thinking about anything. No thought, right? No mind. That old Taoist principle. Whatever you do, calming your mind, taking a moment just to relax is so important. Walking in nature is such an important thing. If you are in an area or if you're in a city, if it's nice enough for you to walk outside in nature, put your cell phone away and just walk in nature. Pay attention to everything that's around you. That has a peaceful, calming effect on yourself. And for somebody myself who suffered from anxiety, yes, I was an anxious person. And I still have to battle with anxiety. That's a demon within inside me that I have to control. I have to put mechanisms in place to keep that demon at bay. Right? If I bring it back to create your eight, I know what my weaknesses are. I know that I'm prone to anxiety. I know that I'm prone to depression. But I can stay ahead of them by being proactive. And so something I do all the time is I will put my phone away, meditate, or I'll put my phone away and go for a walk. I'll put my phone away and just allow myself to take my mind away from the tasks that I'm doing, away from the stresses of the day, and just be alone. I might, that might even be through the gym. I find meditation through the gym is important for me. Right? I'll keep my phone with me, but I'll put music on my ears. Or I'll put something motivational on my ears. And I'll work out, listen to that. I feel fantastic after. My mind is relieved, my body's feeling great, and now I can get back to work. So the antidote to anxiety, it's all about clearing your mind. However you choose to do that, make sure you're spending time every single day. Whether it's 15, 20 minutes, whether it's an hour, two hours, if you're working out of the gym, whether you're doing yoga, whether you're going to cycling class, whatever. Take time to allow your mind separation from the stresses of your day. It will enrich your life. You'll feel better as a result of that. And when you feel better, you'll do better. Golden nugget number three, expect the best. Now, I love this one because we've talked about this so often. If you expect to fail, you will fail. On the other hand, if you expect to win, you will win. And so Peel says that to attain an optimistic psychological makeup, he wants you to read the New Testament. He wants you to find passages referring to faith and commit them to memory. And he wants you to adopt a faith-based thought pattern to transform yourself into a magnet for achievement. Now listen, you might not be the person to crack the New Testament and find stories. But if you are, then go for it. Whatever stories, whatever anecdotes, whatever quotes, whatever it is that you need to help you build that positive mental attitude, that PMA, do it. For everyone else who won't use the Bible then what my recommendation would be is go back to episode 122 where we talk about success through a positive mental attitude. That one I did by myself again, but it was about Napoleon Hill's book. Um, he wrote the uh, that, that book, Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude, and there were so many great golden nuggets that came from that. And so if you expect to win, you will win. And that's everything that we talk about in that episode of The Cut the Crap Show, episode 122. And I share the metaphor about a farmer's field. Right, the analogy of a farmer's field, where the farmer's field is just like the human mind. The land doesn't care what you plant. It'll return to it exactly what you planted. So you can plant corn to feed your village, and it'll give you back corn. Or you can plant nightshade, a deadly poison, which will kill the land, kill everyone who eats it. Nightshade, 
corn. The land doesn't care what you plant it. It'll give you back exactly what you give it. So what seeds are you planting in your mind? Are you planting seeds of positivity or seeds of negativity? Guess what? Your life is going to give you back more of that. Are you planting seeds of, oh, doubt and, oh, I'm not going to make this work or something bad is going to happen. If you're planting seeds of that, guess what you're going to get? More of that. And if you're planting seeds of, listen, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I just know I'm going to do this. Guess what? You're going to have more of that, more optimism, more positivity, more solutions, less problems. What seeds are you planting? When Peel says, expect the best, and he says that's a big key to building your positive mental attitude or your positive thinking is the words he uses. He's right. You know this. And yet, what do you do? You still expect the worst. You still focus on negativity. You still focus on sadness. You still focus on how people are going to screw me over. Why do we do this? Cut it out. Start focusing on the positive. Start focusing on how things can go right. And guess what? When things go wrong, say, hmm, there's a lesson in that for me. Because life doesn't happen to me, it happens for me. So everything that's happening is there to teach me a lesson. This isn't a setback, it's a set up. This, is, this, this thing that's really bad, it happened for a reason. I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to get better. Think of it as an image. It was funny, one of my friends posted this on their Instagram not that long ago and I love this. Two pictures of people. One person standing up with boxes of red boxes of failure on top of their head where failure is weighing them down. Then you have another person on the other one where he's laying down failure as steps as he's walking up. That's how you should be looking at failure. That's how you should be looking at negative circumstances and events that happen in your life. Yes, you might be in the, you know, the poop hole right now where things are really, really bad. But guess what? Use that as something to propel you forward. Say, listen, all this stuff is going bad for me right now. My health isn't going well for me. My relationships aren't going well for me. My you know, finances aren't going well for me. Ryan, how, how, how can I find the positive in this? I can't. Yes, you can. You're listening to this show for the first time, then I'm glad you're here. But if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know what you need to do. You need to set goals to get yourself out of that. You need to build your positive mental attitude. You need to surround yourself with good, healthy thoughts, information that will help you get out of that. Going back and listening to all these previous episodes, that will help you. Now, I can't be there to pull you out of that wreckage. I can't. You have to pull yourself out. But what I can do is give you all the positive stimulus, all the coaching possible to help you get out of it yourself. And I'm telling you right now, by going through that, frame it in your mind. If you're going through that and you say, Ryan, how do I do this? You're building your comeback story. You are building your comeback story right now. Your life is crappy. I get it. I get it. But you're in the middle of your comeback story. And man, that comeback's going to be great. So I don't care how bad life seems for you. I don't care how bleak it is. You are in the middle of your comeback story. And you are the leading character in this story. So take action. Small baby steps to move forward. Be brave. Be bold. Surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with positive information. This show is one, one example of that. And move forward. But you have to expect the best. Because if you don't expect the best, unfortunately, you're always going to stay where you are, in the gutter. Golden nugget number four, worry not. Now, Peel says that we should not entertain thoughts of defeat. And he says that we need to believe that with God's help, 
You can overcome obstruction and solve problems. And that we shouldn't allow destructive thoughts to affect our outlook. And we need to resist allowing fear and worry to take over our thoughts. And he's right, because doctors and psychologists both alike, they agree that worrying actually does shorten your life. And it does damage your body. And Peel even says that worry is contrary to God's love and care. Furthermore, in the book, he says that we need to clear our thinking before we go to sleep. And we need to imagine our worries flowing out of our body like water out of a glass. And he wants us to say five times, With God's help, I am now emptying my mind of all anxiety, all fear, and all sense of insecurity. Now again, if you are religious and that makes sense for you, then please go do that. For me, I don't do that. And that's not to say that, that I'm, I, I'm different or I'm better or my approach is better. No, it's not. The thing that I've learned with Create Your 8, with the CY8, is that everybody's path to creating their 8 is different. My path to creating my 8 is different from your path. So don't think that my path is the right path. No, no, no. This path is good for me. It's probably not going to be good for any of you listening, but it's good for me. There might be little things you can learn from it, little things that you might like, but you got to find your own path to creating your eight. And with some people, this might work for them. So use it. For me, when I had a lot of worry in my life, it wasn't me saying positive affirmations that made me feel better because it made me feel better for a short period of time. I replaced worry with hope by putting together goals. I put together three goals, a financial-related goal, a health-related goal, and a professional-related goal, something that what I was going to do with my life. And back in the day when I was going through those stresses, I was worrying a lot, a lot. I was having a tough time sleeping. I was having chest pains. My heart was palpitating all the time. And I really just could not get you know, a high level of satisfaction in life. And you know, if you were saying on a scale of one to eight, Ryan, again, nines and tens are reserved for very special times in our lives that seldom happen. On my path to creating my eight, I was sitting at a four consistently. Where I would wake up and I'd all of a sudden feel the stresses of the day. I'd pass between three and four all the time. So what I did was to replace that worry, that anxiety, that fear. I built myself a plan that gave me hope. Goals that gave me hope. Something that got me excited. Something that I wanted to work towards. Something I wanted to achieve because I knew that if I did, it would get me out of this mess and my life would be better as a result. So that's what I focused on. I didn't replace worry with affirmations. I replaced worry with a plan. And when I worked towards that plan, when I saw progress, I felt better. I had hope. So if you're in a place right now where you're worrying a lot, maybe try Norman Vincent Peale. I was going to say it again. Try what Peale is saying. Right? Try thinking about, before you go to bed, the worries flowing out of your body like water out of a glass. And say five times, with God's help, I am now emptying my mind of all anxiety, all fear, and all sense of insecurity. Combine that maybe with a plan to make your life better, and you might have a winning combination. Do what works for you. But all I'm saying is that in life, what's going to get you out of your mess is action. What got you in your mess doesn't matter what got you in your mess. Could have been your actions. Could have been something that wasn't your fault. But all I know is that to get into a positive reality, to get into a place where life is better, you got to take action. You got to move. You got to build something. You got to stretch. You got to feel uncomfortable. That's life. You have to move. You have to work. You have to put in the time. You have to put in the effort. So when Peel says, worry not, Combine his approach to not worrying with affirmations with a plan. 
and your life will most definitely improve. Golden nugget number five, problem solving. So this one's an interesting one. If you're not buying into the religious aspect of this, follow me here. Just, just be patient. Peel says that one spiritual way to address a problem is to put it in God's hands. He wants you to sit quietly, be open, and pray. And as you're doing that, he wants you to look for answers within yourself. And he wants you to take God as a partner into every aspect of your life. Talk to him. Lean upon him. Get help through him. And believe that he is going to help you. Believe that he's going to support you and get you to where you need to get. I don't necessarily ask God for help when I need help. But what I do is I allow my brain a chance to relax and allow my subconscious just to flow. How I came up with this show was because I was walking around in New York City with music on my ears and the inspiration hit. The concept for Create Your Eight, yeah, came about when I was walking around in New York City. Music on my ears allowed my mind just to sit and ponder. I had problems that I needed solutions to. I had desires. I had wants. I had dreams. I had goals that I needed a solution to. The Cut the Crap Show was a solution. Create Your Eight was a solution. I didn't have to ask God for that. But what I did need to do was take myself out of the busyness of the day and allow my mind to sort of free up and look for inspiration all around me and know that whatever solution I'm looking for, it's going to come to me. And this is where in this golden nugget in the book where Peel talks about you know problem solving, he gives us 10 problem solving techniques, which many of them I believe with. The first one, believe that for every problem, there is a solution. So yes, believe that your problem can be solved. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, you don't have a solution right now, but there is a solution. And oftentimes, there's more than one. Two, try to maintain your serenity as you address a problem. So don't feel anxious. Don't try to, don't try to, to get angry and say, ah, you know, I'm not getting this. I don't understand. No. You need to be calm. You need to be hopeful that there's going to be a solution to this problem. Number three, don't try to force an answer. I was almost going to say that before, but don't try to force it. Don't try to say like, oh my God, I need an answer by Saturday at noon. If I don't get it by Saturday at noon, then it's too late. Sometimes you can't force it. Life often happens for you. And so you just need time for that to reveal itself to you. And that's not some sort of spiritual metaphysical thing. No, that just means that you haven't been thinking about this problem long enough that you haven't recognized certain solutions that exist out there in the world. But if you focus on this problem, if your mind is open to solutions, guess what? They will come to you. But you can't force it. Sometimes it just takes time and patience. And we don't have enough of we don't have enough patience today. We just don't. Number four, gather all relevant information. Pretty simple. Do as much research as possible. Number five, write down all facts about the situation. Again, get understanding for the problem, what's going on. You need to get clarity on the problem so you can get clear on what solutions you need to solve it. Number six, spend time praying about the issue you are confronting. Listen, if you're praying about it, that's fine. If you're not praying about it, maybe you're thinking about it. Always make time to think about it. When you're walking in nature, yes, take time to think in nature and and allow your mind to flow. But when you separate yourself from the stresses, the anxieties, the busyness of the day, allow your time to think about solutions. When I'm working out, I'm thinking about solutions all the time. I actually find some of my best ideas come when I'm in the gym. So definitely make some time for you to think about the problems you're having. 
Number seven, believe in and seek God's guidance on the promise of the 73rd Psalm. Thou wilt guide me by thy counsel. Um, if, again, if you believe in the religious aspect of that, that will talk to you. That necessarily doesn't talk to me. Um, so I, I maybe won't be using that one. Number eight, rely on your inner gifts of insight and intuition. Now, this is a, a good one. This is something that came to me when I was, again, walking and allowing my mind just to free up. Uh, this is a tough one. There's things that we believe we should do. And then there's things that we know we should be doing. Um, for myself, it was always about marketing and sales, marketing and sales, marketing and sales. I build the best scripts. I build the best email marketing campaigns. I help companies, you know, build the best products, right? The innovation side of things. That's what I do. And I got to make sure I'm doing that. So the whole piece to me forcing it was the cut the crap show. When I first started, it was all about sales and marketing, sales and marketing. But the one thing that was constant, whenever I was working with all my clients, they would say things like, Ryan, you know what? You are a great marketer and a great salesperson, but you are a remarkable coach and helping me get my mind straight. There's nobody who does it better. And I listened to this for a long time. I'd have people tell me like, you are like my therapist. You help me feel better. When I talk to you, you give me things that I can do that make me better in my job. It has nothing to do with a script, nothing to do with email, nothing to do with how to, how to do your cold calls better or whatever. And so I kept forcing the sales and marketing piece and I kept ignoring the whole like, you're motivational, you're inspirational, you're like a therapist, uh, you have techniques that help me feel better about myself, I'm in a more positive mental attitude. I kind of not scoffed at it, but I kind of discounted it. So number eight says rely on your inner gifts of insight and intuition. I kind of fought my insight and intuition. And until that moment where I was in New York and allowed my mind to kind of clear, clear itself up and say, holy crap. What are people sharing with you? What are what gifts are you squandering? That's where CY8 came from. Create your eight. So you got to listen to yourself, and it takes time. It takes it does take time. It takes patience. It takes some maturity for you to realize what you're great at. And sometimes you're doing something just to make a living, just because it's my job, it's my career, it's what I believe I'm great at. But you have other gifts within you that maybe you're not exploring yet that you should be. Number nine, attend religious services where you can and listen peacefully and let your subconscious work on the problem. Well, isn't that funny? We're just talking about the subconscious. Again, you can go to church or you can just go for walks. I love going for walks, period. I'll put music on my ears and allow myself to think. Pretty simple. We've been talking about this all episode. Number 10, the answer that develops in your mind or comes to pass is the right answer. So I just allowed the thoughts that came in my mind. Whenever I had a thought, an inspired thought, I wrote it down on my phone. Pulled up my phone, opened up the notepad, and just wrote it down. At the end of the day, I would think about it, ponder on it, say, you know what? This idea is something I want to go further into and dig deeper into that. That's exactly how this show happened. That's exactly how Create Your Aid happened. It's exactly how you're going to find solutions to your problems. Last but not least, golden nugget number six, how to handle heartache. Now, everybody at some point in their life experiences heartache, and it's tough. It's very difficult. Matters of the heart they're very, very difficult. And so Peel says that for us to get over heartache, we need to resist the heartache by staying busy. So if you're getting a divorce from your husband or your wife, if you just broke up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, if you just lost a loved one, if a loved one passed away, a friend, a family member, a spouse, a child, doesn't matter who it is. 
He says that in order for you to get through it, you need to stay busy. You need to return to your normal activities as soon as possible after a loss or a defeat. And you need to resist the temptation to brood and feel sorry for yourself. And again, this is something that I just, I talked about in this episode as well. I don't know why our minds do that. Why our minds force us to think negative thoughts. When a very good friend of mine passed away this summer, it was really hard for me to take. And I'm somebody who reads these books. I'm the one who preaches this stuff. And I guess I had to go through that grieving process. And, you know, for four or five days, I sat there just feeling terrible, feeling so sad. I just feel it all over my body. And the thoughts I would conjure up in my mind would just make me more sad and more sad and more sad. And I don't know why I did it. Maybe just part of the grieving process. But eventually I realized, okay, I need to get myself out of this because this is not healthy. This is not helping me. This is not how life is to be lived. If I want to live life, then I got to live life. I got to get myself out of this mess. Yes, I have to mourn. Yes, I have to grieve. But once the tears are gone, then it's my time to return back to normal. I got to get back to work. I got to get back to my goals, get back in the gym, get back to eating right, get back to hanging out with my friends, my family, listen to the music that I was listening to. We have to return to life. And I know that's hard to do. I know it's very difficult to do. And I can't turn this one around and say, you know, it builds resilience. It does. Yes, it does. But sometimes we just have to be sad and we have to work our way through it. But the key here is to not allow your mind to dwell on it for too long. That's not handling heartache. That's allowing heartache to take control of you and to win and to take life away from you. The life that you still have to live. And I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. But you have to live life for the people that you've lost. And you have to move on in life and find people who love you. Find people who care about you. Because they're all around you. You just have to look for them. If you just got a divorce. If you just broke up with your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. This is not the end. This is your new beginning. And maybe it didn't work out before in the past, but what can you learn about yourself? How can you become stronger? How can you build a new you? Because you can. And you will. Remember, you are the leading lady. You are the leading man of your life. And this is your comeback story. So build it. Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. This happened for a reason. This marriage, this relationship didn't work out for a reason. Maybe it's because I was being held back. And maybe now like an eagle, I can soar. I can open up my wings and go off and take my life in a brand new direction. A direction that I was holding myself back from. A direction this relationship was holding me back from. This marriage was holding me back from. Matters of the heart are very serious and very, very difficult to understand. Very difficult to handle. But with Peel's advice here, I agree. We have to stay busy. And by busy, I mean focused on things that give you hope. Things that, 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 that give you a level of excitement. Things that you're anticipating. 
Put something in place that you're looking forward to. A vacation, a meal with friends, a constant date night with your family. Whatever it is, put something in your calendar that you're looking forward to. Set goals that you're excited about that you, you can charge forward towards with enthusiasm. Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with good advice. Good podcasts like this one. Good videos. Good movies. Upbeat music. The minute you hear a sad song, flip the station. Don't listen to that. Don't allow that to plant sad seeds in your body. I did that all the time. When I was feeling sad, a sad song would come on. And all of a sudden, I'd be filled with guilt, with anger, with frustration, with sadness. I'm like, why do I allow myself to do this to myself? It's very human. So when I'm in that grieving process, when I'm healing, when I'm not all myself and I'm not put together, I got to surround myself with upbeat, fast beat, aggressive music. Get my mind on track. Get my mind focused. I'm not ignoring the feelings. No, I'm just not allowing them to win because they're not helping me. Don't allow those feelings to take you over. Heartache. It's very tough to deal with. But I hope that the things that I just shared here in this, you know, six-minute diatribe, (laughs) I hope there's something here that you can take from it if you are going through heartache or if you do go through heartache in the future. Right, and there we have it. Jeez, like sometimes I end the podcast on a high note. Sometimes I end it on a note of, huh, let me think about that. That was this episode, I guess, ending with the aspects on heartache. But that is Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking. And I toned down the religious kind of talk in, in the book because uh, for me personally, I, I don't need the religious aspect of it. And, and that's not me. And you're listening to this podcast because you're looking for my opinion. And I don't necessarily look to religion as something that helps me get through tough times. That's not to say that it's that, that I'm right or that I'm wrong. Listen, if you find that religion is helpful, if you find that religion gets you through tough times, if you believe that God will get you through tough times, then you are absolutely right and you use that. Don't think that I'm poo-pooing anybody's ideas here because I have family I have friends who believe very strongly in religion and use religion to help get them through through some of the toughest times. Like I said before, everybody's path to creating their aid is different. Some people use religion, others don't. I just don't. That doesn't mean I'm 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 better than anybody else. Absolutely not. We're all the same. We're all equal. We're all doing our best to try to create our aid every single day. Some of us use different tactics. That's pretty much all it comes down to. Norman Vincent Peale's a minister. He used religion. Awesome. Well done, Mr. Peel. And if you're a little bit disappointed that I didn't focus too much on the religious aspects of things, then please go out and pick up the book yourself. The Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peel. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right. So if you love this episode, then again, like I said at the very top, go online, rate and review the show, especially if you're listening on an Apple device. That would mean a lot to me. Don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're already connected to me, then just send me a quick message and say hi. I love hearing from you. It makes my day. And last but not least, go to thecutthecrapshow.com. At the very top of the page, you'll see a bright red button. You can donate $5 a month to support the causes that I'm supporting. And I'm supporting no-kill animal shelters. And that might not mean anything to you, but to me, it's everything. When I go in there and I see sick dogs, sick cats, these people are saving up money. They're trying to do fundraising to pay for surgeries to keep these animals alive, to help them you know, remove limbs that don't work anymore. Or they're trying to help just to pay for food or pay for litter. Or just pay for the expenses of the building so they can stay open, so they can continue their mission. That's why I'm putting this call to action out there. Because there's people out there who are doing great work, but they just need some help. So for all of you out there who 
are willing to help, $5 a month, it'll go a long way. And thank you to all of you who have already donated. That means so much to me. And as I donate this money and uh, I help these these charities out, I'm going to post it on LinkedIn. And um, I got to thank all of you out there in, 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 in Cut the Crap Nation because without all of you, we can't do this. So I'm going to post those images up there. I'm going to go ahead. And actually, I'm just talking to somebody right now where I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to buy 4,000 pounds of kitty litter. I didn't realize this, but these places spend so much money on, on cat litter. They, do, they believe in in keeping these cats and not euthanizing them. And so they they buy a lot of litter and they go through a lot of litter, it's a big expense. So if I can bring them litter, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna buy 4,000 pounds worth of litter because of all of the donations that you've supplied, which is gonna take a whole bunch of weight off of them and that money they can now use to go and spend on, on surgeries uh, for these animals that need them. So again, th this is why I, I talk about this every single episode, it's so important to me and I hope it's important to you. And together as as a community cut the crap nation we're gonna make the world a better place whether it's through the thoughts we think the actions we take or how we choose to spend a little bit of our money to help others in need so anyways on that note my friends thank you so much for tuning in again this week it just it always means so much to me that you're here and i love doing this show because it connects with all of you and uh i hope that i just plant some good seeds in your mind as you move forward in the week but until next week, my friends, I will be back here with a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, an interview with an author. And yeah, I'm going to do an interview with an author because it's been a little while. I got to put that one on. But you know what I'm doing here every single week. Just trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that can spark change in your life and helping you build mental toughness and resilience every single week. Have a fantastic, productive, inspired week, everybody. I love you all. If you're going to change an area, you do three things. Number one, you focus on it and you get clear and compelling vision for what you want. If your body's not where you want it to be, I tell you there's one simple reason. It's not your focus. No, no, I focus on it. I focus all the time on how fat I am. No. See, if you focus on crashing into the pole, trying not to, the more you try not to, what you focus on, that's where the energy goes, that's where you go. Right? We all know that. But what people tend to do is, I'm saying focusing on what you want, not what you don't want. And not only just focusing on what you want, where you focus and say, well, I'd like to be strong, I'd like to be energetic, I'd like to be fit. It's focusing and making it compelling. You can't just focus on it. You've got to create a clear and compelling future in that area that will pull you towards it so you're not trying to push yourself. If there's an area you're not improving in, think of three pillars, if you would. Pillar one is get focused and clear. What's compelling? Where are you? Really? And don't lie? Where do you want to be? And make it so compelling you can't help it when you wake up in the morning you want to transform this area of your life. So the quality of your life already is better just because you are so excited about what you're after. When you do that with your body or your emotions or your finances or time or any other area and you start focusing and you're clear, you're going to have energy. You're going to have drive. You're going to start to do something. How do you make sure what you do really works is model someone who's already successful. All the tools I come up with, some I've obviously created, but the foundation came by standing on the you know, shoulders of other giants. You know, I went out and found somebody that's already got the result. Why reinvent the wheel? Success leaves clues. Find the best, figure out what they're doing. Do that. Alter it. Find your, your view of it. But start with what already is working rather than starting from scratch and trial and error. So emotion is in. If we get the right emotion, we can get ourselves to do anything. We can get through it. If you're creative enough, playful enough, fun enough, can you get through to anybody, yes or no? If you don't have the money, but you're creative or determined enough, you find the way. So this is the ultimate resource, but this is not the story that people tell us. 
right? The story people tell us is a bunch of different stories. They tell us we don't have the resources, but ultimately, decision-shaped destiny, which is my focus here, if decision-shaped destiny, what determines it is three decisions. What are you gonna focus on? Right now, you have to decide what you're gonna focus on. In this second, consciously or unconsciously, the minute you decide to focus on something, you gotta give it a meaning. And whatever that meaning is produces emotion. Is this the end or the beginning? Is God punishing me or rewarding me, or is this the roll of the dice? And emotion then creates what we're gonna do, or the action. So think about your own life, the decisions that have shaped your destiny. And that sounds really heavy, but in the last five or 10 years, 15 years, haven't there been some decisions you've made that if you made a different decision, your life would be completely different? So the bottom line is maybe it was where to go to work and you met the love of your life there. Maybe it was a career decision. I know the Google geniuses I saw here. I mean, I understand that their decision was to sell their technology at first. What if they made that decision versus to build their own culture? How would the world be different? How would their lives be different? Their impact. The history of our world is these decisions. When a woman stands up and says, no, I won't go to the back of the bus, she didn't just affect her life. That decision shaped our culture. Or someone standing in front of a tank. Psychological strength. That's the difference in human beings that I've seen of the three million I've been around. Because that's about my lab. I've had three million people from 80 different countries that I've had a chance to interact with over the last 29 years. And after a while, patterns become obvious. You see that South America and Africa may be connected in a certain way, right? Other people say, oh, that sounds ridiculous. It's simple. So what shapes you? Two invisible forces, very quickly. One, state. We all have had times. Have you had a time you did something and after you did it, you thought to yourself, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. It was so stupid. It wasn't your ability, it was your state. Your model of the world is what shapes you long-term. Your model of the world is the filter. That's what's shaping us. That's what makes people make decisions. We want to influence somebody, we gotta know what already influences them. And it's made up of three parts, I believe. First, what's your target? What are you after? Which I believe, it's not your desires. You can get your desires to goals. How many of you got a goal, a desire, and thought, is this all there is? How many been there? Say, I. So it's needs we have. I believe there are six human needs. Second. Once you know what the target that's driving you is, and then you uncover it for the truth. You don't form it, you uncover it. Then you find out what's your map. What's the belief systems that are telling you how to get those needs? Some people think the way to get those needs is destroy the world. Some people is to build something, create something, love someone. And then there's the fuel you pick. So very quickly, six needs. Let me tell you what they are. First one, certainty. Now these are not goals or desires. These are universal. Everyone needs certainty that they can avoid pain and at least be comfortable. Now how do you get it? Control everybody, develop a skill, give up. Smoke a cigarette? Well, we go for certainty differently. If we get total certainty, we get what? What do you feel if you're certain? You know what's gonna happen, when it's gonna happen, how it's gonna happen, what would you feel? Bored out of your mind. So God, in her infinite wisdom, gave us a second human need, which is uncertainty. We need variety. Third human need, critical, significance. We all need to feel important, special, unique. You can get it by making more money. You can do it by being more spiritual. You can do it by getting yourself in a situation where you put more tattoos and earrings in places humans don't want to know. Whatever it takes. The fastest way to do this if you have no background, no culture, and no belief in resources or resourcefulness is violence. If I put a gun to your head and I live in the hood, instantly I'm significant. Zero to 10, how high? 10. How certain am I and you're going to respond to me? 10. Here's what we really need. Connection and love, fourth need. We all want it. Most people settle for connection because love's too scary. Now these first four needs, every human finds a way to meet. Even if you lie to yourself, you need to have split personalities. But the last two needs, the first four needs are called the needs of the personality, is what I call them. The last two are the needs of the spirit. 
And this is where fulfillment comes. You won't get fulfillment from the first four. You'll figure a way, smoke, drink, do whatever, meet the first four. But the last two, number five, you must grow. We all know the answer here. If you don't grow, you what? If a relationship's not growing, if a business is not growing, if you're not growing, it doesn't matter how much money you have, how many friends you have, how many people love you, you feel like hell. And the reason we grow, I believe, is so we have something to give a value. Because the sixth need is to contribute beyond ourselves. Because we all know, corny as it sounds, the secret of living is giving. 